It's time for another bonus episode, y'all. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to a very special bonus episode of the Rasafari Podcast. Now, most of you know that my day job is that I am a musician, specifically. I am a touring uh, drummer, music director, music supervisor. I do arrangements, I do studio work, all kinds of good stuff. And honestly, outside of the various questions that I get about animals and zoos and everything, the number one thing that people ask me about is the music side of my life. They're curious about all of it, really, uh, and especially how it applies to the podcast. Um, You know, I do all of the music for this podcast myself with some amazing collaborators. And there has been no person that you have heard more on this podcast than the person I am speaking to today, Taylor Gray. Taylor is an actor, singer, pianist, guitarist, bass player. Oh my goodness, so many things. He's a producer, he's an engineer, he's a music director. We are both those types of people that have more titles than we know what to do with, to be honest with you. And today I am bringing you an interview with Taylor. We are going to talk about a bunch of different stuff. You're going to learn about him, his history a little bit. You guys know how I do my normal interviews by now. And then we're going to talk a lot about, um, (laughs) well, okay. Then we're going to talk about how we met and how we started hanging out. Uh, You're going to hear a hilarious story about John Rossi here serving as a wingman for my buddy Taylor Gray and and how our friendship has kind of bloomed. You're also going to hear us pick on each other a lot because we do that. And we're also going to break down how we come up with some of our ideas, how we work together, how we make these final projects, you know, the the various tunes that you hear on Rasafari, whether it's the interrupting John theme or um, the way that he's helped me with, you know, different things that I've put on Zoo News or whatever. We work together on all of this stuff and you're going to learn our process. You're also going to get to hear two original songs that we worked on together, one that Taylor wrote that's just a quick instrumental and one that uh, a friend of ours did that uh, I played on and, and we produced together. And you'll get to hear how that all came together. It's, it's kind of an interesting look into the other side of my life. And then if you hang on till the end, you're going to get to hear about a new project that Taylor had worked on for over two years and that I added drums to and helped with the mixing of, and that uh, will have just started going live as this podcast drops. So um, I'm not going to spoil too much, and I'll, I'll tell you how to find it in the end. But yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun if you are into the music thing. And if not, then listen to the first five minutes to find out what Taylor's favorite animals at a zoo are, and then, you know, ditch us. But I highly recommend not doing that, because I think you're going to get a kick out of this one. We had a lot of fun together, y'all. Taylor is, uh, you know, a little bit nervous about being on a podcast. Maybe it was a little awkward at first, and... uh 
It's kind of adorable. And then we get into picking on each other and having a good time. You'll get to hear some cool music stuff. And um, I'm just really excited to share all of this with you. Also, regardless of whether you get to the end or not, I am going to put two songs from Taylor's new project at the end of this podcast right before the credits. Make sure you go listen to them. You're going to love them. I promise you that. One final thing I want to tell you before we move on here is that podcasts as a medium are very compressed. If you don't know what that means, I'm not going to bore you with it. But uh, the music you hear on here might sound a little thinner than what you're used to hearing. And that's just uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, Music podcasts are made differently than mine, and I can't really change my whole setup for just one of these. Still going to sound great, though. I promise you're going to love it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Taylor Gray. Why don't you tell everyone who the heck you are and and what you're doing here? My name is Taylor Gray. I'm an actor and a musician here in the New York City area. And I am the one who's collaborated with John here on all of the music interludes that you hear throughout his podcast. Uh, Mostly all the vocal stuff, because... I sing pretty, I think. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, you're a lot of the vocals. I still sneak in on occasional ones Sometimes. like, uh, you know, my 50s rock Zoo News theme and my um, stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Um, but yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we collaborate on all those things, because even the ones that you're not singing on and, and or playing on, you, you've still uh, you've still helped with some of them. And the it, it's kind of fun how we work on those things together. Yeah, it's pretty uh, fun. Yeah. But so uh, because this is an animal podcast and we talk about zoos and stuff, I wanted to start off by um, having you share a little bit about your favorite two animals, Luna and Sakari. Who are they? They are the polar bears at the Buffalo Zoo. Yeah, yeah. And you, uh, you've, you've been to the Buffalo area quite a lot, right? Yeah, I actually went to college there. Yep. And then where's your family at? Uh, Rochester, only an which, hour away from there. Yeah, which also has an amazing zoo. But so, uh, so you still get to the, the Buffalo Zoo every once in a while? Uh, whenever I can. Last time I went, honestly, was the last time I went with you a couple years back. And I just remember standing in front of that exhibit, watching... I forget which one it was. I want to say Luna. Yep, it was Luna. Just constantly swimming back and forth between the glass and the mainland of the exhibit. I don't know what else to call it. But just constantly for like what felt like maybe an hour or two, even though we were probably there for only 15 minutes. And Sakar playing with a barrel, honestly just chomping on it, playing with it like like it literally was a chew toy. And I remember you got some pictures out of it. His head gets stuck in the middle of it. Yeah, it does. And then you just see him poking, his eyes poking out of the top of the barrel like, no one saw that, right? (laughs) Or I can't believe I just did that. It was love at first sight, wasn't it? It was great. It was so great. I just couldn't stop smiling. It was adorable. I, I also remember, um, you know, our, our friend Ellie that was there uh, at the time was, was pretty uh, obsessed with a cow that was at the zoo. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, it was at the petting zoo area. I remember that. Yeah. Just wanted to feed that cow and make sweet friends with it. 
And I remember, I remember laughing and being like, it's a cow. We're at a zoo. And then it was only a couple of months later that, uh, you know, Zoe and I went to the Cape May Zoo and she fell in love with a cow there named Jilly. So, uh, (laughs) what can I say? It's zoo cows are a thing. Don't doubt it. (laughs) All right. So, um, let's, let's, let's start off by talking about how you got into music. How, what, what's your history with this? I started taking piano lessons in the first grade. My mom was one of those parents who thought that every kid should know how to play at least the piano, if not a, a instrument. And I grew up with music all around the house. My dad had so many, and this is dating how old I am, cassette tapes and CDs, just of so many different kinds of music and artists. Like we had Dire Straits, ZZ Top, uh, Stevie Wonder, The Bare Naked Ladies, uh, The Temptations, Tears for Fears, Paul Simon, Simon and Garfunkel, just going the gamut across everything. Oh, and Springsteen. He's a big Springsteen guy. Um, but I just grew up listening to a lot of that music, which is why I like to think I'm very knowledgeable in that sense. Just like, yes, name that tune. I know it. And we actually play that game a lot in the car. But anyway, uh, took piano and just kept on playing with it. Never wanted to give it up for one reason or another. My teacher was fantastic. Shout out to Shelly Allen. She's the best. Um, and then in middle school, and uh, that's when I picked up the trombone because, you know, concert, band, went ensemble, all that stuff. Um, picked up the acoustic guitar at one point and then get to college. And I'm starting to arrange music a little bit more because taking high school music theory, you uh, I realized I had a good ear for that kind of thing. Actually, the first, quote, professional thing I ever arranged, this is kind of embarrassing. And the arrangement wasn't that bad, but still, it was a seven-part men's a cappella version of Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Of course it was. me being the diva that I was, I didn't take the lead. I took the high part and the lead during the hard rock section. So I wow. sing the Roger Taylor dog whistle notes and also the hard or the harder stuff during that section. So hell, we won the talent show that year. So I'm proud of that. Uh, <laughs> you are such a dork. Thank you. Um, but then when I got to college, I'm just trying to keep my time, keeping myself busy. So I started arranging a lot of acapella stuff, just constantly getting them out there. Some were good, some were bad, some were worse. Uh, but, you know, you learn. And and I just also kept on playing the piano for various events. I played for the uh, student showcase that we did every semester called From the Wings. And then my s- senior year, my grandpa had given me a small USB microphone for the holidays. And I thought, you know what? I should probably know what one of these acapella arrangements sound like. Because right now I'm just listening to a finale instrument playing what I think is correct. Like, are these actually singable? I don't know. So I, off the cuff, just started recording my very first track, which was the cover of Jesse J's Domino, which is not the very first video I ever posted on YouTube. And I asked one of my buddies, Eddie Powers, who lived on the other side of the duplex I was living in, to sing lead on it because it was in a male key. And it just spiraled on from there. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What was it that drew you to acapella music? Uh, so when I was a freshman in high school, I was a part of the men's, the Sutherland High School men's choir, and we did a couple of acapella tunes in that sense, but it was, a lot of it was choral, barbershop, that sort of a thing. But when I was in college, the sing-off was on. Of course, you, you all remember that with Ben Folds as one of the hosts with all these acapella groups from all over the country. Season three winner, Pentatonics. Yes, I'm a dork. Yes, I'm a penaholic. It blew. They blew we, my we mind. Know. Are you kidding? Yeah. Um, and that just sort of is she still your biggest celebrity crush? One of them, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then just hearing all these different styles and different things of oh, you could actually sound like a beatboxer, or if you wake up first thing in the morning and record something, you could be a bass. And I just started really getting a good ear for that instrument emulation, try to find out those uh, crunchy harmonies that I really like. I love seconds. And just trying to make things sound good while also making the tunes recognizable yet different, which is always a struggle at times. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things that you and I are are really complimentary on and yet really different about. Um, you're really good at dissecting a recording and making something that sounds exactly the same. You can do acapella arrangements that sound like the band or whatever. Um, and I'm really good at taking a song and finding a way to make it different and changed. And I think that's why some of the arrangements that we've done together are so good because I find the cool, unique, different thing to try and you find the way to get the exact right harmonies and uh, parts and it's it's pretty cool. And a lot of times when we jam together, you're playing the exact part and giving me room to improvise around it and stuff like that. And yeah, I it's a nice blend all around. Cool. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. Um, Awesome. And so what, um, name all the instruments that you play right now. So my main instrument is piano, as you know, buddy. Um, I also do acoustic guitar, mostly rhythmic stuff. I cannot solo to save my life. Haven't gotten there yet. Um, I picked up the electric bass a couple of years ago. And around the same time, I got the, my ukulele and melodica. And I am just starting like I'm a beginner on the blues harmonica, which I've been wanting to learn for a long time. So you actually picked one up since our last gig? Oh, no, I've had it for a while. I just haven't found the time to actually start. Okay, well, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a good mix. I I almost bought a bass today. I did really, but I almost bought a bass today. Um, a brighter electric. Uh, electric. Uh, they they have a Hoffner at the Guitar Center near here, like Paul McCartney used to play, the ones that have the violin style body. Oh dang! And um, it 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 was real nice. And I like bass a lot. And I used to play a little bit, very little bit, but uh, it's real fun. Yeah, it was it was in my hands. I actually have a new song idea that I want a new like parody for Zoo News that I want to talk to you about. Awesome. Um, yeah, came up with it today. So. We should probably do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and by Probably the way, for those listening, that's literally how most of our ideas happen. Um, we'll talk more about the projects that we've done together, but Taylor and I have done all kinds of projects together, whether it's for the podcast or, you know, for his videos or whatever. And most of them start by like 
Well, I'll just tell the story. I'll tell you what this one's going to be. We'll put it here now. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But um, I was driving immediately after messing around with a bass. And of course, when you mess around with a bass and you don't really play bass, the song that gets stuck in your head is Another One Bites the Dust Naturally. by Queen, of course. And I'm I'm sitting there and going, dum, 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 dum. Now it's time for Zoo News. Or maybe we can make it other news. Dum, dum, dum. It's time for other news. Digga dum, dum, dum. It's time for other news. And it's time for other <laughs> news right now. It's time for other news. And suddenly, I have this dumb parody in my head. And I'm telling Taylor about it now. And we'll get it done in a couple days, probably. Hey, gotta hear you too. You gotta do other news. See? Um, that's just, this is what happens. This is how... I think a lot of people think that creativity as a musician comes from like hard work and like sitting down and like trying, right? And there are people that work that way. But for so many of us, like I can tell you the best arrangements I've ever come up for Million Dollar Quartet almost all happened while driving or in the shower. Man, I get musical in the shower. And I will be singing, but not even singing like the melody. Like I'll come up with an idea for like a drum part and I'll just be sitting in the shower with the song going through my head and being like, while like soap is getting in my mouth. Then it's it's a whole thing. And that's just, right? Aren't you the same way? The ideas just like smack into you? They've never happened to me in the shower that way. But I will be honest, I'll just be walking down the street or listening to something in my apartment while I'm cleaning, per se. And the song comes in, and I'll go, hold the phone. Wait, if we change this for this, if we did, like, and then the arrangement just starts building in my head. Like the one that I told you about a, about a week ago, the, the song that I'm thinking about, it just suddenly pops in my head that if we cut the kit but did a more stripped down version where you were on a cajon and possibly a cymbal or a shaker, I don't know. I'd let you deal with that because you're the drummer. But I was thinking maybe a Rhodes key sound, the bass, and all these vocal harmonies, you know, and that just layers on in my head and then it just stays there until I have a place to write it down. Yep. And I think I think that's how you know if you have a good idea, because if it won't stay in your head, then it probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Which is probably why this the big one stayed in my head on and off for two years. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I just I think that's so it's so interesting and, and I think so fascinating how it can just just hit you sometimes fully formed, sometimes just an idea that you then have to work on. Um, yes, literally hits me in the face. Yeah. Yeah. I have two arrangements that I, I have very slowly growing in my brain and it's been taking forever, but they're, they're living there. They just, I really want them to, to like, I'll, I'll even spend time working on them and they're just not there yet. And that's okay. But the ideas refuse to leave. So I know there's something there, you know? Yeah. And that's, 100%. that's just, yeah, that's just how it works. Um, all right. So before we get to what your big project is now, um, explain a little bit about TIG music and what you've been doing with it over the years. Yeah. So technically it's called TIG music. I know. I like messing with it and calling it TIG. I know you do. Um, <laughs> it's called uh, TIG because it's my initials, uh, T- Taylor Isaac Gray. So TIG music, very similar to MTI, Music Theater International. And that I that name came up with a few of my friends at a college party my senior year. Of course, they're drunk. <laughs> and I'm not. 
And we're literally sitting on the stairs in a weird circle shape and just bouncing ideas off each other. And someone just shouted out, what, 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 what about the TIG music? Just TIG music. I'm exaggerating. But that's essentially how the name came up. And after that, I shortly started a Facebook page, which I've honestly haven't used in a very long time because I suck at social media in general. And then I just kept posting the videos that I had at the time, which were only maybe three or four. Some were karaoke tracks. Some of them were the older acapella arrangements. And after a while, I thought, you know what? Maybe I should put these on YouTube. Maybe. So I officially took all the videos I had on Facebook, which I think were up to maybe 10 at this point, and just literally uploaded them one at a time onto my now YouTube page, which is essentially me slash DIG, same thing, just different titles. And over the years, I've just gotten progressively better, not only in music production, but also video editing. So much better at the videos. The early videos were uh, special. Well, the early videos, (laughs) if I'm going to be real, they were PowerPoint slides (laughs) of the lyrics because I didn't know how to edit. My only camera at the time was my laptop, um, whatever, I forget what it's called. The, The camera that you use for Zoom nowadays. Right, right, yeah. You know, that one. And so no one wants to see me with that. So I did lyric stuff. And then I'm watching more of these things on YouTube of other people doing it. And I think, you know what, maybe I should. So then for the next two or four things, I use that camera. And it was terrible. I didn't even know how to use iMovie yet. Well, especially for video edits, I literally had to bounce each video in order to get like that master shot you see of all nine squares because that's all i knew how to do oh man that's embarrassing uh, yeah it wasn't it wasn't always the best but, but then, hey that's the thing the We're iphone and final cut yes. i learned well and that's that's the thing i want to kind of point out um at, you know if people go and check out tig music i won't call it tig um they can see kind of the evolution of of the work that you've done but so let's Boy, talk about Let's talk about this for a second, though. So you were a pianist, still an actor and a singer. But then when you started with the acoustic guitar and all that other stuff, it was all self-taught, right? Yeah, the guitar, obviously, you have the one class in middle school where you learn Stand By Me. Um, You know, the other four chord song that we all know. Um, And I still kind of remembered that. And then I did a summer intensive program at my hometown theater And my buddy, Joe, he brought his guitar along a few times because we were jamming before we did a class every now and then. I'd be on the piano, he'd be singing along. Usually it'd be to a song from Rent. And we he started teaching me a couple chords, and then I started looking at these piano vocal books I had and just started learning that way. And then just looking up charts online, going, oh, okay, this is how you play Take It Easy by the Eagles. This is... Uh, Mrs. Robinson by Simon and Garfunkel and just kind of learning as I go. And it just came pretty naturally almost. So basically the answer to my question was yes. Oh yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> this that's another thing that I do, guys. I just ramble. <laughs> it's true. But that's okay. Um, but so, you know, you self-taught on that, and then you you've you've self-taught on not only all these instruments, um, but to record all of the music, you use Logic, which is a really complicated recording program, right? Yeah. Like industry standard, professional, everyone either uses Logic or Pro Tools, and you've really got it in your head. Like, we've produced enough stuff together where I've watched you. You know the keyboard shortcuts. You know it all. You know you know Logic. You learned Logic, and you learned Final Cut to make your videos, and like... This is all just you taking the initiative to go out on your own and learn this crap and then get good enough to do it at a professional level, right? More or less. Yeah, and I think I think that's really worth mentioning because the same is true with me. I mean, not only, you know, I I had lessons on the drums, but then there are all these other ways to play and things that I learned and I had to teach myself. And then I'm recording this podcast. I also use Logic, not a lot of the um, you know, a lot of a lot of podcasts are made on these little free programs and stuff, but I I use the same because I also use it to record drums and um I had to learn how to do that and you know, uh, the songs that you hear that I put together rather than, than Taylor and I doing together, um, I had to learn how to edit samples together and, and oftentimes edit them, you know, take two or three samples and mix them together and build my own thing and all kinds of stuff. Like, I just think there's something that's so cool and so worth mentioning about the willingness to go out and learn how to do what you want to do instead of saying, oh, I want to do a thing, but I don't know how to. Yeah, I mean, for Logic, we were on tour together on the, our very first Million Dollar Quartet tour, the 1516 tour, which is where we met. Um, and it was at a point in the tour we were actually in one place for more than a day or two. And I actually bought the gear. I had the time to learn it. And thank you, Internet. I learned a lot from that. And there were a lot of helpful tools in there. So I didn't have to be trudging through a manual or anything like that. And it was a lot of trial by error. Some things turned out horribly. And if I could go back and fix a few things, I definitely would, especially from when I first started on Logic, which I the first thing I ever did on that, I think, was the Harder to Breathe cover, the Maroon 5 song. And just realizing, oh, I could do this now. That This is a possibility, too. Wow. And just getting that in, it really was a sense of, what do you know? I can actually do this. And also a sense of, people do this professionally as well, and I'm good? How did that happen? Yeah, right. It's it's always interesting when that kind of thing happens. Um, yeah, that, but I, I just I love the uh, the assertiveness and the willingness to I mean, I feel like you even mainly picked up bass because you weren't sure who to hire to play bass on certain things. And so you just learned the damn thing <laughs> that that was part of it. The other one was uh, trying to get more versatility in certain musicals, you know, yeah. for being cast in and having only piano and guitar in your resume. A lot of people know how to do that. So just trying to add to the instrument list, which is why I also picked up the other two, because why not? Yeah, makes sense. But so, um, okay, so let's let's move away from from music for a second. We'll come back to this. But um, tell everyone about how we met, because you, 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 you tickled them with a feather a little bit. You mentioned MDQ. So uh, and, and yes. anyone who listens to this podcast, 
knows that I've been with Million Dollar Quartet for ever. I think I was born with a, uh, the poster of, of the four guys, uh, came out with me. So, um, yeah, just, just kind of share your perspective on how we met and, and became such good friends. Yeah. So I think you and I had very different tours. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true on every level. I had to say it, but so I was cast on the same tour that he was on the very, that John was on our very first venture into Million Dollar Quartet World, but I was cast as the understudy for Jerry Lee Lewis. So I wasn't the primary. So I basically sat in the room behind a smaller piano with the volume turned all the way down, maybe not even on, just playing along to all these songs and trying to learn the lines while he's actually at the kit by the mirrors in the back just doing the crazy stuff that he does, you know, flailing arms and whatnot. Um, And every now and then you would come to me about asking how certain things were supposed to sound just because my ears were that attuned because I was listening to every single thing, which is how the show got into my brain as well. We ended up being bus buddies. We, We sat behind, no, I sat behind you on the bus yeah, you can't sit behind each other on a bus. No. It doesn't work. <laughs> I get tongue-tied sometimes. Um, so anyway, I sat behind him on the bus, and we decided that since we sat right next to each other, we, we should be bus buddies. And usually what that means is we have to make sure that the other person is on the bus before we leave, or else we're leaving someone behind. That is not good, especially for a 13-person cast. I was tempted to leave you behind a couple times, but that's it. I know there story. was one point. I know that for a fact. <laughs> Pennsylvania. Um, and, um, and we were talking. We got to know each other pretty well. And I, I think this is how it goes. I may be a little fuzzy on this. I feel like I kept shoving certain projects I was working on at you, trying to see what your thoughts were. That's a kind way to put it, yeah. Yeah, and granted, these were the drafts on finale so who knows if it if it was even listenable so we're hanging out first of all before we even hit the road we're, we're in florida and this guy comes up to me and he's like so i'm working on this project and i'm like cool and he's like you know rocky horror show right and i'm like oh yeah this was around the time i was releasing it yeah it 100 was and i was like yes i do and he's like i am releasing a karaoke track of every song of that show. Isn't that awesome? And I was like, is it? Granted, cool. this process was a year and a half in the making. <laughs> it's not like I just dr- con- conjured this thing in like two weeks. Of course. However, I didn't know you or anything, really. I mean, we hadn't become like close yeah, yet. This was fair. like our first interaction. And you're just like, I'm releasing karaoke tracks of a show. And I'm like, this kid's nuts. Yeah. And I'm one and, of the youngest uh, people in the cast. And I'm just like, hi, guys. Literally. And he's like, will, will you listen to this? I have it on my computer. And I'm like, okay. All right. I'm too nice to say no. So. And I was too nice um, to not get sarcasm. <laughs> Still not sometimes. Yeah, but so so that was it. But then when we were on the bus, yeah, there were a lot of projects that uh, Taylor's always working on a project. Because, you know, um, you have a lot of time on that tour bus. You really do. And um, of course, you probably spend most of it sleeping from what I remember. Yeah, I'm I'm real good at sleeping on a tour bus. It's it's kind of one of my specialties in life. Special skills. Put on um, the resume. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh and so yeah, so um but also we just like we talked about life because there were mornings when we'd be on the tour bus at seven o'clock in the morning. Or earlier. And yeah, true. And Taylor decided that he was gonna listen to some music with his headphones, of course, uh, and air drum and air guitar and air bass and air piano. And air vocal and air I, accordion. I, don't I was know. not what you would call a social person. Socially adept would be a phrase that I would not use to describe Taylor, especially back then. Time. And the thing about it was that I feel like it was just because no one ever pointed out to you that like, hey, maybe don't air drum when the dude in front of you is asleep on the bus at seven o'clock in the morning. And I was not unwilling to say, dude, what are you doing right now? That's um, right. And, and that's how we started to really bond. And, yeah, and from me as we bumping talked, your seat. Yeah. And yeah, so, so maybe that is a good thing to do. I don't know. No, it's not. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but and then as we started to talk, I was just like, oh, look at this. No offense. That, but look at the look at the social misfit. I can help him. I want to help him. And so that's kind of how our relationship really evolved. And now, you know. And and then we started talking about, um, you know, talking to like women and stuff. Oh, and man, that was a time. That was a time. To say that Taylor's strong suit was not talking to women would be the understatement of the century. You ain't wrong. Um, and so we started talking about that. And we started literally going out just to like do that. Like And I don't just, go out. <laughs> yeah, no. And 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 you know, neither one of us are drinkers or anything, but like I remember was it Kansas City yes. where we went to the karaoke yes, bar? It was. Oh my gosh. Uh, so we're in Kansas City. And there is this gorgeous young lady sitting at the bar. And as Taylor sings the first song that he does, he's killing it because the boy can sing and he's looking good up there. And she is all about it. Just staring him down like he is a piece of steak at an expensive restaurant. (laughs) And so I noticed this. And I'm like, all right, Tay Gray, we need to, uh, we need to, we need to go talk to that young lady. And then what did Taylor do? Oh boy. So, well, we decided that we were going to do another song, mm-hmm. and that you were going to like point it at her. Remember that? Yes. Yes. I remember the songs and, too. And oh, good lord. And um, so so. Uh, I look at Taylor in what might have been one of my favorite conversations with anyone ever. And I said, all right, buddy, here's the thing. You're going to do this and you're going to kill it. And you're going to like point at her and like all kinds of stuff. Like we're going to have some fun with this. But also you need to not air drum, air guitar, air bass, air accordion, whatever, during your karaoke. Because again, Taylor had the habit of getting very into it. I do. And Taylor looks at me and goes, but I really have to. And I'm like, no. And Taylor's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, okay, here's what we're going to do. You step outside and get it out of your system now. Go air drum outside for a minute and then come back in and do this next song. And uh, I'll never forget. He goes, okay. 
and he steps outside. And uh, we were there, I think, with our buddy Jason yeah. was there with us that night. Yeah. And Jason just turns and looks and goes, John. And I look, and Taylor had stopped right in front of the window and was air drumming like a madman in front of the window where everyone could see him. So I take off running, and I run outside. I'm like, go down the block. (laughs) That's me. But you came back in, and you sang the song. What song was it? Uh, Tell her about it, Billy Joel. Right. Yes. And you, you, you talked to her and it was, it was, it was good. Like nothing happened that night, but like, it was a good positive experience and, and was, I mean, I was, I remember being proud of you and thinking like, crap, this kid's basically my brother at this point because I'm proud of him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I will never forget you air drumming out that window. I swear. I forgot about that part to be honest. (laughs) That's the part I forgot. Alzheimer's could take me tomorrow, and my last memory would be you air drumming outside <laughs> that window. <laughs> what? It's just such a vivid mental image from Jason going, John, <laughs> Oh, man. Look what happened then. Yeah. Or look what but- happened then, rather. And so what um let's let's tell everyone what all we've worked on together. You have a better memory for this crap than I do. So Oh, is that what we're calling it? Okay. <laughs> um so if my memory serves me correctly, the very first thing that I want to say you officially drummed for me on was Billy Joel medley? No, that can't be right. I think Billy Joel Medley was the first thing I drummed on, but I was mix consulting with you yes, for a that while is true. before that. Yeah, I was still very new at the mixing elements of the whole music production, which is the majority of the whole entity of music production. So I, I want to say from harder to breathe forward, I've been crediting you as mixing consultant yep. and still am to this day. Yep. And then actually the... F- the first instrumental thing that we recorded together was uh, at Barter. You're right. Yes, one of our castmates had written an original song, and she wanted some of the guys in the cast to to play on that song. And lucky for everyone, I had my interface and a microphone, and I said, you know what? I could do it for you. And literally in an afternoon, we recorded... Her vocal, a guitar, a mandolin, you on a brushed snare, and later in, we added in a kick and a hi-hat thing, I want to say, too. But then we literally mixed it, the majority of it, in, like, the next couple of days. But I just remembered... We also added upright bass. Don't forget did I not say bass? No. Oh, no. It's okay. But And also, the other fun thing was that we actually arranged it, too, because she had a very loose idea of what she wanted it to be, and we came up with all those stops and all the who was going to take what Phil when. Yeah, she was very straightforward stuff. the entire time. There was no there was no dip or rise. It was just yeah. all very mono. Yep, and we turned that into a, a pretty Yeah, it was pretty cool solid. It still gets yeah. stuck in my head sometimes. And now, for those of you listening at home, here is that song. It's called Desert Tears by Eva Joy. (laughs) 
I like that one. And uh, yeah, and then we did, um, like you said, we did the, the yes, Joel Medley. That was fun. Um, had to run a studio here in the city in order to get your butt up here to do the drums because you didn't have an electric kit yet. And uh, also wanted to get some good drums. Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, let's see. Then after that, I want to say, was Vienna the next one? I think so. I think we did... Um, uh, what did we record? Uh, Soul of a Man and then Vienna. Right. And and Soul hasn't been released no, it's that, yet. It's taken a backseat to many of things. Yes. Who knows if that one will actually happen? That happens sometimes. Uh, it will. It will. I just recorded new drums for that because they screwed up at the studio and it's going to happen because it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Other things have just been popping up and coming to me. And, and there have been times when I'll have an idea. And I'll get as far as about to start recording something, and I'll go, you know what? This does not sound good, so I should stop. One time, I got as yep. far as mixing, and I said, you know what? This is not good. I should save everyone's ears by not doing this anymore. 
Which is something I think more artists need to do. But um, yeah, but we've also, we've got some stuff in the can too that we haven't done yet. Um, that Or that isn't finalized. There's there's that one. There's a, a little tribute to a friend of ours named Lil Sebastian. Yes. Uh, there are a couple different things that we just haven't been able to complete yeah. yet. Um, but we also did, let's see, we, we did, did our, the Vienna our cover. Vienna, we did. The yeah. one that I'm proud of, especially since this past year happened. The parody of my Sharona, which I called my Corona. Yep. And we wrote that. Uh, we wrote the we lyrics did. together and made a really goofy video. Yes, because um, why not? Because we were losing our minds in quarantine. And that was your first time using your e-kit on one of these things. Yep. Which brings us to what you're putting out now. So tell me about the new project coming out from TIG Music. I mean, T-I-G Music. There it is. Um, so... <laughs> For, for those of you who know musical theater or knowledge in that sort of sense, if you are familiar with the musical Rent, written by Jonathan Larson, before that musical happened, he wrote another show called Tick, Tick, Boom, which was essentially an, autobiog- auto, an autobiographical one-man show, which he wrote and started himself in the early 90s, which was all about him turning 30 and having that crisis of, Am I going to make it as a starving wannabe composer in New York City? So, unfortunately, as we know, he passed away right before Rent opened. But in, early, in, in the early 2000s, they revitalized the show and reworked the script so that it could be done with an actual cast and a band, which starred Raul Esparza and Amy Spanger in uh, 2001. It didn't run very long particularly due to the 9-11 attacks and all that good stuff, unfortunately. But I'm sorry, did you just say I the heard 9-11 attacks and all that it. good stuff? Friends, this is why talking to Taylor Gray is always a treat, because uh, sometimes things My just come out by accident. My brain will just ramble, and I apologize. <laughs> we all know you didn't oh, mean God. it that way. I really should think before I talk sometimes. <laughs> it's time for... Interrupting, 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 John. Mm. See y'all, that's the kind of thing I normally cut from a podcast if somebody misspeaks like that. But because Taylor is my friend, I get to leave it in here and anyone who's listened this far gets a laugh. Obviously, Taylor didn't mean anything by it, and I might have even cut it, except I really wanted to get the interrupting John theme in here, because um, I think it's just another great example of how we work. So obviously, that is Taylor doing barbershop quartet-style harmony, and um, I came up with that idea and wanted to make that into a song, and so I literally just messaged Taylor and was like, hey, I want to do a thing that's ding." It's time for interrupting, 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 John, uh, and like make it like a barbershop quartet, specifically the one from Scrubs, the TV show. And he threw that together and recorded it in no time. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, what if I need more than one interrupting John? Instead of having the uh, at the end, it could be uh, again. And he recorded that in also no time. And that is how this stuff happens. And I just love that. Anyway, back to the interview. This is why I like sharing a dressing room with Taylor. Oh, Lordy. Uh, But anyway, I realized in a few years ago that, A, that is a show that I can do. It is my type. I can sing it. I can play it. 
And I can grow my hair crazy enough to look somewhat like Jonathan Larson, who, as we know, is a character in that show. He's being himself. And so, out of the blue, I'm literally asleep on a gig in Indiana being music director for MDQ. And I literally jolt myself from the waist up upright and just blurt out the idea that I have. A YouTube miniseries of the musical. And then I immediately went back right to sleep. (laughs) That is literally what happened. And so then for the next few months, I'm trying to figure out how I would essentially do this. Would I ask people to play the music? Would I film it myself? Would it be like one episode is a scene from the show plus the song adjacent with that scene? I wasn't sure. I even tried to contact Music Theater International once to find out if that would even be possible. Never heard anything back. Um, But... Every now and then it would come up in my brain, it, it left, yada, yada, yada. And then I decided might as well get started on it a little bit. And I asked my buddy Alex Prezano, who is an amazing guitarist, to come over to my place and record the guitar we, tracks. We toured with Alex on the second national tour of A Night with Janis Joplin. Yes, he had the flower pants. <laughs> and the Pabst Blue Ribbon shirt. Exactly. Thank you, Randy. Um, and he's an amazing guitarist and a great human being as well. Um, and he laid down some killer tracks. We, we did all of that in, I want to say, three days. We did many takes, many options, but he did everything in three days. And I tried recording the piano stuff as well. Didn't sound that great. So, and also the announcement of the movie being produced had come up at the same time I had my idea. Literally, two days after I had my dream epiphany was when the announcement came up, and I got so pissed. Yes, in case you don't know, uh, a little little guy, little unknown guy in the industry named Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, is putting out a uh, movie version of Tick, Tick, Boom, starring Andrew Garfield, um, who used to play Spider-Man. And... uh, He had that same idea. Well, I mean, he didn't have the same idea at the same time. But yeah, that was announced right after Taylor had this idea, which had me laughing for probably a week straight. Yeah. And which one do you think was going to get more attention? The big budget movie directed by one of the most prolific composers in musical theater in the 21st century versus a very, very, very low budget YouTube miniseries based on a potential nobody in New York City. I'm going the with movie. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, oh, that was that rhetorical, too. wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> and that's John Rossi for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, so after a while, it kind of got away from me. I thought, you know what? This probably isn't going to happen anyway. But something in me just said, you know what? Might as well just keep the tracks. You never know. What the hell? And then about a year goes by, and then we're in the pandemic, which, as we all know, especially... In the first five, six months or more, it sucked. Let's just be real. It sucked. But once the new year happened and we're now in 2021, I had the thought of, you know what? Now is probably a good time to do this. The movie is definitely delayed at this point and I got time. Why not? So I asked my buddy John here. If he would be wanting to record some drums, 
And by then, I had gotten mediocre at the bass. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting myself modestly here for my bass playing. And I think, you know what? I still have Alex's guitar tracks. If I get his drums and I could do both the piano and the bass, they got the band already. And I asked a couple of my friends who were in the music, who are in the music theater community. In fact, Harris was on the Frozen. He was on Frozen on Broadway. He was in the closing cast. Nice. Yeah. Um, and my friend Sarah, who I've known since the seventh grade, we went to college together. She's also in New York. Fantastic person and singer. I asked them if they would be interested. They said yes. I thought, oh, crap. Okay, this is actually happening. So then I get into my rambling mode of thinking and just like sorry, hashing out the music, being like, okay, got to gotta do this. Got to do this. I don't know when I want to get this out here, but you never know. So let's just keep moving. And this is me rambling again because I'm getting myself excited because I was excited at that time. And then right now, when we're recording this, all the songs are recorded and mixed. All the videos are 95% done. And the tracks are out to be mastered right now. On a side note, I recorded the drum parts for every single track, including multiple options with different takes, in just under 24 hours. Yes, he did. And that includes sleeping for probably nine or ten of those hours. Um, and for the record, I did not ask him to do that. He did that on his own behest. It's true. I just, I was doing a lot with the podcast. I had some gigs coming up and I thought, well, I want to get this done. And so I set aside like three days and, um, he only needed one. Yeah. Didn't, didn't need him. Um, hope he got some good sleep afterwards. I was proud of that one. Actually, I was pretty proud of that. It's not every day that you can do a, a studio version of an entire musical in a day. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, when you hear this thing, his playing is solid. I mean, it's always solid, but it is it gets you good. Yeah, I'm really excited about these tracks. They sound really good. The vocals are amazing. All the playing's amazing. Um, the mix sounds really clean. We spent we spent a good bit of time on it. Yeah, I'm really proud of that. I actually, we were up in Vermont at Northern Stage doing MDQ. And during the day, let's put it this way. I will wake up, eat breakfast, immediately go to my computer, put on the headphones, and start mixing at least one track a day. That's literally how I got the mixes done. This happened in August Yep. after we opened. It was, I don't know how I did it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I had a feeling I knew when I wanted to get it out there because the movie is coming out in theaters the weekend of November 12th and 13th and coming out in Netflix the weekend after. My birthday is on November 13th, which is another slap in the face to me. <laughs> Your 30th birthday, by the way, yes, which is and- what the show is about. Of course, turning 30th, turning 30 with all this stuff coming around you. And I thought, hey, that would be a good time to have the final video out there, which means I would have to start putting it out on October 5th if I want to do a twice a week sort of deal. Because it's too late to do one a week now. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. So the idea is to have the whole project out before the movie drops, right? Or right right around the same time. Okay. It kind of lines up. Gotcha. Cool. And um, yeah, and and yeah, it was very interesting because Taylor and I keep a very different schedule. And so I would wake up in the early afternoon in Vermont uh, and usually already have an email waiting with a, a song or two mixed to to give my notes on and, and send back to him. And um, 
Yeah, it was it was interesting. And uh, we liked finding some of the parallels, like the fact that Taylor plays piano, as does John in the show. And um, Taylor is turning 30 as this is coming out. And uh, Taylor met a pretty girl who at opening was wearing a green, green dress, which is... Uh, <laughs> one of the songs in the show. And I will say that green, green dress had the same effect on Taylor that it has on John in the show. And uh, Taylor and Haley are they're still together. And I blame the, the green, green dress for at least part of that. Mostly because she's an awesome human, though. She is. She is. Normal, normal people would compliment their girlfriend here in case she listens to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. She really is. Proud of you, buddy. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were talking like normal people. You know I'm not normal people. That's fair. That's fair. That's like, fair. Come on, man. You've known me for six years. Y'all, this is what our entire relationship is like. Yeah. And we have we have done two national tours. Actually, believe it or not, almost six years ago, like two weeks ago is when we officially started rehearsals for that tour. Yeah, that's crazy. So just over six years, we made it. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that was, uh, that was, we did two national tours, and then I guess just the one regional, right? Well, no, we we technically did three, because we also did Janice. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was talking just MDQ, but yeah, so we've done three national tours together, and then uh, a regional sit-down in Vermont. Um, yeah, that The other that. regionals that we did were all part of other tours. Like, we did regional sit-downs in Florida and Pennsylvania and um, Virginia. Virginia. But th- those were all part of the tour, but also regional sit-downs. I don't know. We've worked together a lot, is the point. I, hi- I hire Taylor for a lot of stuff, and... Um, between that and helping him talk to girls, I feel like you just you owe me a lot is mostly what I'm saying. Yes. And <laughs> I try to pay him back with these uh, zingers for Rasafari. Yes, yes. And and I'm looking forward to to the next one of those. Um, yeah, but I just I think one of the coolest things about a relationship like we have uh, is is that. Like I was talking about before, like the collaborative aspect of it. Um, and I thought something interesting that we could kind of talk through would be like how we would do something like that. Um, and and the, the thing that seems easy to me and the thing that kind of makes sense to do would be like, let's talk about how we developed that podcast theme um, from when you first were approached about it to the final product. Because then I can play it or at least a clip from it and people can hear how that came together. Because it's such an interesting, yeah. I think it's an so, interesting story. A lot of you probably don't know that I also am the editor, but also the theme composer for the podcast Acting Business Bootcamp, which is hosted by the great and fabulous Peter Pamela Rose. And she helps so many different actors with um, so many different aspects in regards to the theater industry, be it business, core work, and acting training, and all that good stuff with multiple interviews and topic subjects. You name it. But before any of that happened, the summer of the pandemic, I want to say this was in August, right around the time I was getting my new headshots taken, uh, she asked me if I would be interested in writing a theme song for her for that podcast. First day, I was honored, also terrified, because I've never done that before. And so 
she asked me to do this, and then I reach out to a few of her baby bears, which is what she calls us because she is mama bear. And I asked them to give me a couple, like, two-word descriptions of what they think Peter was. And then, luckily for me, I had a guitar, my guitar with me because I hadn't had the chance to bring it back home yet. So I was, because I was staying upstate. Right, because you didn't actually have a no, keyboard with you at this for time, for some reason, right? I had brought that up to Rochester, but all of my string instruments, they were still in New York City because I was in the process of leaving my apartment, my old apartment. And so luckily my guitar was there, so I thought, you know what, based on these descriptions, maybe it's a little acoustic-y, folk-driven sort of thing. I started really, really fast. That did not sound good at all. Like that, you know, just trying weird chord progressions and whatnot. It it was weird. Slowed it down a little bit. Oh, okay. This is feeling nice. It's feeling solid. A little bit of a groove. Maybe the bass could go like this. I send it off to you, and then you had the thought of, let's see what I could add to this, and you did. And I just I when I heard it, it was just it was acoustic funk. And I, yeah. I can play me some funk. And so the drums that I layered on top of it were really funky and and gave it a lot more drive. Um, and then in what might be the funniest thing ever, Taylor had come up with a really cool bass part. Basically, yeah. the bass is the melody of that song, uh, the way that it's done, because all he had was bass and guitar, and the guitar was just strumming along. And yeah, so and I added a small pad part later on just to fill out the... The, the air and all of it. Right. But that didn't come to later. But then you. Right. So I hear this bass thing and I'm like, well, that's not really, I mean, it is a bass part, but it's, it's like the melody. And so I grab this little MIDI keyboard that I have and I text Taylor and I'm like, what are the notes you're playing on bass? And he literally just sends me a text back with like the notes. And then I just doubled it in certain parts. And then I came up with this goofy thing at the end where I take it up really high. I, so I'm playing this just total synth pad and it sounds awesome. I'm really proud of it. And, um, you know, it changed what I played on the drums then because we added this big thing with all quarter notes on the snare at the end to make it really drive. And um, initially when I thought of this, I thought it would just be a cool little background thing to augment the bass, but it's kind of... Like the bass and that together sound incredible and are definitely like the melody of the song. 100%. And it's just literally us just sending ideas back and forth a couple states away that, that led to that. Constant back and forth. Yeah, it, it gets really interesting sometimes. Like I have a long list of emails from him that are just odd thing, MIDI, drums, what? Oh, wait, that's... <laughs> Yep. And that's, that's how it works. And then there's a cool song and, uh, you know, I'll, and somehow it sounds it good and I'll splice it in here and it'll be awesome.
Um, but yeah, so that's just a little look into the creative side. And then um, we, we're we going to give you guys a little tease of the uh, Tick, Tick, Boom project. Um, we'll put some of those tracks on here. But uh, Taylor, where can people find you and find this music and, and see videos of me drumming and you playing piano and all the goofiness from your early acapella videos where you look awkward? All right. So my only social that I really use is Instagram. I'm at Taylor Isaac Gray. Um, I also have a website if you want to look at that, if you want to hire me for any music things, if it's there, uh, TaylorIsaacGray.com. I'm also, for YouTube, that is also just my name, Taylor Isaac Gray. It's just professional name, that all the same thing, so everyone can find me. Um, there you see everything. Everything from Domino in 2015 to the most recent thing, which is my Corona from last year, and hopefully... One or two Tick, Tick, Boom videos, depending on the uh, release date of this thing. Yeah. What is your favorite video on there right now? Don't say anything from Tick, Tick, because obviously that's the new baby and we don't know when this is coming out yet. But beyond that, what is your favorite video? If you wanted people to go and check out one thing, what would it be? That is tough. I like to be tough. Um, For... Acapella stuff, I would probably say either the Hall and Notes medley or the Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac cover. For full band stuff, the Billy Joel medley and the Vienna cover. He's not very good at suggesting one thing, y'all. But if you no. listen to this podcast, you know that I also really suck it and say everything's my favorite. So I get it. Yeah. Well, buddy, um, I'm guessing you don't have a poop story. Poop story. <laughs> Doubtful. But I will say this. What's rule number one on a tour bus? Never use the bathroom. Well, you can pee. You just can't poo. Yeah. Rule number one, no number two. So yep. that's a little insight into that. Actually, is some interesting insight. I'll tell you what. A lot of people who listen to this don't do our kind of thing. You have tour buses and they have bathrooms. But guess what? The bathrooms, anything that you put into them, stay with you and stay on the bus. And so poop will stay on the bus granted it's like underneath and they'll drain it occasionally but if you poop on that bus and it's a stinky poo that's not going anywhere so you actually have to ask to stop at a gas station or or mcdonald's or something or if you're lucky a starbucks if you want to poop when you're on the road. And this is true even on an overnight bus. It can be three o'clock in the morning and you wake up and you got to go and you're going to stop. Or if somebody gets a tummy ache and is like sick and and has diarrhea or something, uh, you might be stopping every 15 or 20 minutes. And then you have to worry about affecting when you're going to get to the venue and stuff. Life on the road is weird and gross, y'all. It is weird. Absolutely. But then again, so was I. So I may have fit right in. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right buddy well uh i guess that's it then so th- so thanks for doing this yeah thanks for having me it was fun yeah bye bye all right folks well there you have it my buddy taylor and all of our awkward geeky gloriousness together uh, that was a lot of fun for me, and I hope y'all enjoyed it as well. Uh, like we mentioned, you can go to YouTube and search for Taylor Isaac Gray. 
and it'll take you right to his page where you can find a bunch of the music we talked about, including My Corona, Vienna, the Billy Joel medley, a lot of his earlier stuff. And if you're listening to this on the day it was recorded, the first song from Tick Tick Boom 3090 will be live on that page. Please do take the time to go check it out. Taylor puts so much work into his uh, videos and and the audio production and everything. And uh, we're all really proud of of what we've accomplished with this project. It's pretty darn cool. Uh, You can also check him out on Instagram at Taylor Isaac Gray. Now, instead of reminding you that the word credits backwards is Steiderk, I'm going to play you not one, but two songs from the upcoming Tick Tick Boom series on YouTube. And then I'll play you the Steiderk. Deep dark velvet hugs your silhouette. Black silk stockings, you're my Juliet. Soft black hair, baby, baby, blue eyes. Cool me down before I jump into your thighs. The green, green dress, 20 buttons and a strap. Green, green dress, what a pleasure to
The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.